0: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Connie for House Calls, and we are into the month of May. Boy, this this year has gone by so, so fast. A couple things when I start off here. What comes to mind, usually, you know, I've got 30 days before the next show, and I look back at anything in the news or anything in my life that's transpired. And I have been bombarded over the last three or four weeks with various media inquiries. And I don't know if you've been watching the press, there was a lot of news coming out of the White House Medical Unit, my old command and news about uh, the White House doctor which is something I was for nine years as well as the VA nominee which I was not but I was on the, uh, the advisory board and I deemed or decided not to comment because I don't think it really helps nowadays I think media is such nowadays that when I get approached by a reporter to comment on a ongoing issue I think they know it they have in mind what they want me to say and I really don't want to comment and I think there—it's a very treacherous, difficult time now in the media, and, and I think because one of the reasons I have chosen to have a show of my own because I can actually speak uninterrupted, without anybody prodding me on and trying to move my words into fit any particular agenda. So really, uh, one of the reasons I like this show is because I. I'm my only sponsor, so this is really coming from me. I don't have people paying me to say what I say. I pick guests who are of their own mind and don't have any political agenda or any issue. I think the overall intent is to help people and share our life experience and our wisdom and our expertise to help at least one person out there who's listening. So to my friends in the media, if I only if you had only known to listen in, I would probably spill the beans on everything going at the White House Medical Unit. But you know what? I, I honor uh... the people who i know out there and i respect my relationships with people and it's true i probably know too much to say nothing about it right now so with that uh... one of the things i think about too when i talk about the media i know he's listening in in georgia is dr robert howard and dr bob howard i knew him for close to twenty five years he worked in in the military worked at the pentagon and his expertise was in communications Bob Howard taught me more about communications and how to work with the press than anybody I've ever met if I ever had to go back to Washington I would hire Bob Howard to be my communications director and one of the things he used to do he would teach doctors at the CDC how to talk to the media and how to give the right sound bites and he would do exercises in which The doctor would be ganged up by a whole bunch of reporters shoving the microphone into your face and saying, give me a statement, give me a statement, and he would exercise with them. And he talked about the overriding message, to keep going back to the message over and over again, and to be consistent with that, and to look at your tone, focus on the message, don't trail on and on and on. And one of the things Bob Howard taught me me was, he says, Connie, I teach doctors how to use the period in their sentences. Period. In other words, not to go on and on and on and trail on. Period. Statement. End of statement. And the thing I realized when I go back and I look at the media and what Bob Howard taught me, and one of the things I used to tell the press is I said, you know what, I will never lie to you guys because it doesn't pay. If you, know, if, if you tell the truth, the story never changes. It's always the same thing. And that's one of the things I told them: The truth is consistent. I want to move on to my honorable mention, speaking about truth and being consistent. I think of the men and women in uniform. Why? Well, the month of May, this Saturday, May 19th, will be Armed Forces Day. And somebody asked me, well, what's the difference between Armed Forces Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day? Well, Armed Forces Day honors those who are currently in active duty in the military, men and women who are in uniform active duty right now. Memorial Day, which is the end of the month, which will be May 28th, honors those who died on active duty. That's in memory. And then Veterans Day, which is November 11th, honors the men and women in uniform who have served any time during that time. So uh, we honor all those people who are out there day in, day out. I think it's particularly poignant to have this holiday on the same month we celebrate another great month, a, a celebration, and that is Mother's Day. And for all you mothers out there, I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day. I, I think of all the great mothers I know. My, my dear mother, Lourdes, is in heaven with all my, her other friends. Um, I think when I look back among my contemporary friends, Georgia Bunn, who is in Medford, Oregon, who is a, uh, a fabulous grandma. I don't know if they call her grandma or glamma because she's glamorous. I think of uh, my daughter-in-law, Erin, who is a wonderful mother to my grandchildren. And uh, my former mother-in-law, actually my, my former mother-in-law, Grammy and great Grammy, who is in Ahwatukee, uh and her great-grandchildren. So just happy Mother's Day to them. But we have two guests today who I will mention later in the show, and I'll introduce you, who are also mothers and who are going to impart the wisdom. So in a lot of ways, we have a kinship among other women who are mothers. I like to call it the sisterhood of the motherhood. So yeah. this is our hood. So I think it's really cool. The other thing I look, I always try to find themes and how we compare and what we have in common. I think, well, you know, we month of May is the month of Mary in the Catholic church and, and the Christian church we think of, or I think of as, as someone who grew up as Catholic because Mary is the, the, the mother of Jesus, but you know, she was a great, you know, tough Jewish mother, you know, went up to bat for her son, was just so loving. And what is it about mothers? And then you look at the military. What, do the mili- what does the military and moms have in common? So for the month of May, well, first of all, you know, you're on call 24-7. You can't say, okay, I quit, I'm off the battlefield, okay, here, you take these kids. Uh, mothers will actually even die for their children. If you mess with their kids, they will protect those kids to the end. And unlike veterans who can retire, moms never retire. You're always your mom, no matter how old you get. You know, mom's always mom. And I still remember one of my dear friends, Lisa Scaglione, who's probably listening in. I hope. And Lisa once told me, in her Texan drawl, she goes, "You don't grow up until your mother dies." And what she meant by that is, as long as your mom's alive, there's at least one person, one soul on this earth, who carried you in in her body. And then even after she gives birth to you, you stay with her heart. She calls you to make sure you got there to the house on time, that you're wearing your sweater, you don't get sick, you don't overdo it. She knows how to calm you down. There's something about your mom that nobody can ever take her place. And so she says, you know, you really have to go on your own and, and do the best you can when you don't have your mom. So we miss our moms when they're not with us. So, And I think of my mom, who tomorrow would have been her 93rd birthday. So, Mom, happy birthday in heaven tomorrow. Hope you're looking down and smiling on us. So moms don't uh, don't retire. But I think for us moms who who do a good job with our kids, I think the sweetest part is being a grandma. I think that's... That's the promotion part. You know, you get promoted from mom to grandma. And that's the best part. So I love that. You know, when I look back about my experience of being a mom, I wasn't a mom until I was thirty two. And that was my first son, Andrew. And then two years later, I had my second son because part of it was career. And I, I I saw an article in The Wall Street Journal this morning, and they recently pointed out that the birth rate has actually hit the lowest number since nineteen eighty seven. The fertility rate has dropped. It's one of the largest drops in the last year, declined since 2010. And fewer babies are being born because what they're finding out that moms are waiting later and later into their late 30s and 40s to have babies because they're having their careers. The good news here, though, is that the teen birth rate has dropped so fewer teens are having babies which is good i think because you got to you know one of the hardest jobs you'll ever have is being a mom and for you to be a teen to have a baby is so tough and they have linked rates of poverty with teenage moms that you know if you're a mom and you have a kid at that time and you don't have a job and it's really really hard to to struggle to get through life that's just another hardship so think really hard about whether you know you want to have kids early on so for us who had kids later, I think that was the best part. I think the motherhood to me was the hardest job. That your job was never done. You always wondered if you were doing the right thing. And we have in studio a child psycho- psychologist uh, specialist who's going to help, help, help us with that. But the fact that you never done, you know, you do all the basics of feeding them and nourishing them. And I look back at, at my motherhood experience, and it was over 30 years ago, I was stationed in Port Hueneme to the base there, and I'd just given birth to my first son, Andrew, so it was 31 years ago, and I had about five weeks of convalescent leave, and then my mother and mother-in-law would come up and take care of him while I went back to work full-time, and I remember being in clinic, and I had a framed photograph of my baby, Andrew, on my desk, and one of my patients, who was probably 85 at the time. He had uh, a lot of the hand deformities from rheumatoid arthritis, so his hands were very gnarled. And He saw the framed photo of my baby on the desk, and he took the photo, and I can still envision it. He holds the photo up in his, his his ancient, gnarled, deformed hands, and he says in this really raspy voice, this will be your greatest achievement. And I thought, wow, no matter how many degrees, how many books I write, how many medals I get, it will never rival the impact I have on this one life, and how that life will impact others. And so never underestimate the power of mom and what you do for your kids every day. What a huge influence that was. Our first guest in studio, and that's why I wanna wanna introduce our first guest, and we've got time in this first section to, to talk with her, is Dr. Sally Goldberg, and I call her Dr. Sally. She's a PhD. She's a professor of education. She's an author. She's a magazine writer. She's also a mom. She's actually the senior mom in this room, so she's you know she gets super medals for that. And she was the first parenting expert on Fox's TV show Parent to Parent. Uh, a little bit more background about Dr. Sally. She grew up in White Plains, New York. She has a bachelor's and master's degrees from Cornell and PhD from University of Miami. She worked many many years as an instructor of early childhood education on the adjunct f- faculties of Nova Southwestern, I'm sorry, Southeastern University, Barry University and the University of Phoenix. So she's got a lot of expertise behind her. She's also an author of many books. Her seventh book is coming out in June and it's mentioned on our website as well as her website and it's entitled Fun Baby Learning Games. It's going to be released by Gryphon Griffin House. Griffin House in June. And if you want to get it, and it's a great gift for young parents, it's a great gift for uh, anybody you can think of, uh, for teachers, for schools, for daycares, it's on Amazon.com. So, Dr. Sally, welcome to our show. Oh,
2: Dr. Connie, thank you so much. I'm so excited about moms and the topic, just hearing that introduction. It's a delight to be here.
1: Well, I'm I'm in awe of your expertise. I think had I listened to you, I probably would have done a better job being a mom with my kids. Who knows? Uh, Tell us the story about how you got interested in child development.
2: Well, I got interested in child development by having the biggest surprise of my life. Uh, when my oldest daughter was born, she was born with a developmental delay. Who would have expected that? I'm sure when I was pregnant, somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that such a thing existed and that those things happen. but it was the farthest thing from my mind that anything like that could have ever happened to me. But it did. So. Not only did I get interested in child development, I got extremely interested because I think you mentioned a little bit about moms. Moms do anything and everything possible for the well-being of their children. And so my interest at that point was to find out what to do that would help my child in the best way.
1: So what did you do for your daughter?
2: So I did what any other mother would have done. I read all there was to read at the time. I bought all there was to buy, and then I made all there was to make to fill in the gaps so that I could give her the best start possible.
1: What kind of things did you make for your daughter?
2: First, I had to start and find out what she needed. That's the basics. So I could see that she learned from interacting with things around the house. She played with cards and papers and plastic containers. I said, aha. What if I made her toys that would teach her the colors and the letters and the numbers and the shapes and even Mm -hmm. reading by her experience of interacting with the toys? And it was so much fun and so exciting because there was nothing to lose, everything to gain. And that was my start.
1: Wow. Were you... Did you have any encouragement from family or friends or other educators when you were
2: doing this? Oh, that was the hardest part. Everybody really did not encourage me and said that probably with the developmental delay that there are limits and that I should probably not waste my time, energy, interest, and so on. But as you know, I didn't listen.
1: Good for you. That took a lot of courage to do that.
2: No, let's go back to the things you said about the mom. Uh, You'll do anything and everything possible for the well-being of your child. So if your child has a delay in all areas of development, you think, hmm, how can I speed up that delay? True, it was very innovative, nobody had done it before, but when you get that power of the mom, you do it anyway.
1: So tell us the impact, what you did making the toys, working one-on-one with your daughter. What kind of impact did it have?
2: Well, what seemed to happen was that by the time she was two, because of those toys. She knew all the colors, the letters, the numbers, the shapes, and she was reading over 100 words. So she took the ball, and people started wanting to know how come she could do all those things. Their children were older, didn't know those things. What did I do to help her learn them? So there became some interest in what I was doing. And in reality, I had no idea what I did. I just kept doing because that's what you do in your mom. And so one mother said, look, If you can get those, uh, if you can, no, if I can get the mothers together, would you get some materials together so that you could teach us what you did with your daughter? Of course, I was flattered as can be. I went back to the drawing board, did some work on my own to figure out what would make a good presentation. And... We went through with it. She had the mothers. I had the materials. We had six workshops, and they became teachers of small children. That's
1: amazing. So even early on, you're an innovator. You're innovating. You're but I take problem.
2: no credit. I take the credit of the interaction with the baby, because what I actually experienced was the more I taught, the more she learned, and then the more she learned, the more I was willing to teach, and we were a good pair. So. It's something that you experienced together and the rewards were implicit in the process right from the start. You know,
1: I think our children, that we are the first teachers because you're an educator. They learn from mom. We become their first teachers ever. I want the audience to stay tuned. We're, we're going to go to a, a little quick break here, but I want to come back after the break and interview Dr. Sally a little bit more before we move to our 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 next guest because i have some more questions about educating about parenting things that you'd recommend for parents of very young children up to two to three so stay tuned we're going to go for a quick break on house calls and come back with uh... more with dr connie and dr sally about raising our children
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
4: Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious who looks after the President of the United States?
5: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com.
0: How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment.
3: Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment.
0: tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to one 346 9141 that's one 346 9141 you may also send an email to dr connie radio at gmail.com that's dr connie radio at gmail.com now back to house calls with dr connie
1: Thanks for returning. This show is all about motherhood and it's probably the hardest job ever. It's more than more. I think it is. It's probably the hardest job because it's never done. You always wonder if you did a good job or not and right now we're we're uh, interviewing Dr. Sally Goldberg who is a, a child development specialist who's written she's working on her actually soon to be released her seventh book about working with young children and baby games and it, really the inspiration was your daughter who was born with a developmental handicap but you're sharing on the break can you talk to us more about child development and why tone of voice and and the things you do early on because there are some theories that say oh doesn't matter the first two or three years you know as long as you get them old enough to at age three where they can look like they understand you then you can you can influence them Can you talk about the influence of the childhood brain and early on and the impact of parenting and and the people around them
2: i'm so excited to be able to even talk about that subject because Um, A lot of people play lip service to, oh, the first three years of development are very important, but then they really don't know why and how and how to implement that idea. And through the early childhood research, the um, signature piece of evidence about what's important for input for children in the early years is a high quality and high quantity of language. Uh it's considered that children who have that in the first three years are then by age three predictive of being successful in kindergarten at age five.
1: So when you say language, what do you what do you mean by that? That you talk to them? Is it you don't do baby talk to them, you, you sing to them, you
2: Normal language is expected for children. Uh, But it's also an interactive process, so it's not something that you do in a vacuum. Uh, You're very connected in a communicative process. Mm -hmm. So you're always conscious of having a conversation that your child understands on the right level. And you ask about the quality of the language. Um, There's very significant research that was done by two researchers, Hart and Risley, based on brain scans and they showed that children by the age of two who were talked to in negative and abusive ways with sentences like, stop that, leave me alone and go away, that those brain scans were actually small and less developed. Uh And when they went the opposite way and tested the brain scans of two-year-olds from nurturing households where the language was nurturing and long sentences using thank you and please and compliments about what they were doing and appreciation. The opposite was true. These brains were larger and well-developed.
1: Wow, that's incredible. So it's the positive language, the tone. And you think of us as human beings, how we respond much better when people use a positive tone that doesn't denigrate you or or, or isn't, you know, is not mean to you, obviously not yelling at you. And because you know, always think about, being disciplined you know what are your thoughts about discipline if
2: (laughs) discipline is fair firm and positive it's fair because you say what you expect it's firm because you mean what you say but it's positive because the message is why you're doing it is for the benefit of your child Mm -hmm. and that's what's so important
1: so no, you you don't you don't spank them, right? Or do you spank them, or do you time out, or?
2: As you know, you don't get specific about certain things yeah. because everything is circumstantial and goes with a particular situation. But if you have a few principles at your fingertips, that's what I like the best. So if you know that you want to be fair and explain things ahead of time, if you want to firm and say what you be firm and say what you mean, and that this is a positive act that you're doing, you've done it. You just know the principle, and then how you actually apply it takes its own place.
1: Uh, excellent. I know you can work that. You know in the workplace with people, right? With employees, and just sort of you know the, the same type of thing about being firm and and fair about it and being positive. Tell us more about your book, because I, I want people to, to order a copy of it and I want people to read your book. Talk about some of the things that excite you about the lessons you share there.
2: That's very nice. Um, the book is exciting because it is the seventh one and it's filling in a gap of the other books that didn't quite get to this point of being available and now it is, so that's wonderful. And what's, what? Why, why is that exciting to me? Uh, Remember I said before about birth to three, it's a very misunderstood category. Uh, The children are very young, and we don't always understand exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're doing it. But the book gives you uh, age and stage descriptions, very short, all you really need, that you can refer to time and time again for the age and stage of your child. So I love it as an age and stage handbook, and then in addition, because my background it was so immersed in creating activities to help a child do their best, then I was able to study all the areas of the development—areas cogn- of development, cognitive, motor, social, language, and self-esteem—and provide for every age and stage activities in those areas that promote development. And it's all melded together in one book. So, and it came out nice. So. It's good, gr- it's well done. It's a great book.
1: I hope you sell lots and <laughs> lots of books, but I think it'll help teachers, young parents, a really a l- great guide. I want to I want to tap your brain about our world now about social media. And what are your feelings about that with young children about cell phones, about, you know, a lot of the devices, the iPads with young kids, is there an age where it's okay to give it to them? I I mean, I I have a I have a YouTube video of my sweet granddaughter Addison, she must have been a little bit over a year old and her parents taped her, they have a video of her where she's holding a cell phone, one of the cell phones, and it's not on but she's imitating, she's pretending she's talking on it, she's looking down at the iPhone, tapping it like she's doing, and then she's, you know, it's mimicry, she's mimicking her parents. I'm like, you know, obviously they didn't give her, you know, to use but she knows what to do with it. She knows how to swipe, she knows how to do that. What are your feelings about that with, with kids?
2: Starting with birth to three, in the first three years, it's something you want to avoid as much as you can. That would be the best way to say it because when you're spending time doing one thing, then you're not spending time doing something else. So if that begins to take too much of a percentage of interaction time, mm-hmm. it's going to have a negative effect. So you, as a parent, want to be on the lookout for it. You're in charge and you can manage what's going on. Every experience counts. We are all a product of our experiences. So the more positive they are, they're better so during this time it's very important to have interactive communication with other people Mm -hmm. so that's the same thing you don't want to miss it by replacing it with something Mm -hmm. like that Um, finger development it's very important writing and coloring and clay and play-doh and uh, using your fingers because if you don't use them they won't develop and you know maybe the best way to relate to something like that is if you ever broke your leg or had to be in a cast or some any part of your body was not able to function oh my gosh what happened after that cast came off yeah,
1: atrophy. it was an
2: atrophy right and it wasn't so this is the exact same principle for keeping that little one using all those areas cognitive thinking motor social social interaction which is includes emotional language and self-esteem just when I say that you know you don't want to miss out on any of that so beware that's all and there's no hard and fast rules but do your best to steer activities into interactive ways as much as you can because they'll be very valuable by doing that you know it will be valuable by doing that
1: so in this room I you know you're the senior mom you, you have mm-hmm. uh, your children are older than ours so you've been mothering longer than we have among between me and Chef Chris here, who we'll introduce soon. What advice would you give to us about about raising, about our children, about being a good mom?
2: The best advice is no advice. <laughs> you have, your being the mom has this little inner power, and probably the best advice is to know that and respect it. No, nobody knows your children or what to do or what solutions there are better than you. So maybe that's the best way to say the advice is that there may be doctors and babysitters and um childcare people who have advice for you but you need to take the advice learn from it and then be the leader because you really in your inner self know how to make the best decisions for your own children uh,
1: listen to yourself right because you're you know yeah mom knows well Thank you, Dr. Sally, for your being here today and sharing your book. And I encourage folks to go online to purchase Dr. Sally's book. It'll be out in June. And it's Fun Baby Learning Games by Dr. Sally Goldberg. So stay in the studio here. I'm going to shift gears to our younger mom here, Dr. Chef, or actually, Dr. Chef Christine Krueger, who I've known actually for, what, three to four years now? Yes and i met her at a holiday party about four years ago Mm -hmm. i a friend of ours was having this lovely party of like a hundred people and it was catered and i was in the kitchen and i was devouring the food and i was so totally impressed by it and i turned to a good-looking gentleman who was carving the beef i said this food is amazing Who who's who's a cook? He says that beautiful uh, brunette over there. She's the chef, Chef Christine Krueger, and I'm like, how do you know? He says, well, she's my wife. So that was her husband, Steve. But Chef Chris is a professional chef. She's a caterer in Arizona for the past eight years. She graduated in 2010 from Scottsdale Culinary Institute. She specializes in dinner parties, cocktail events, birthdays, and holidays and she caters my parties. She does a wonderful job. It's the only time I actually have fun at parties because I don't have to run around with my hair on fire yelling at everybody and trying to do everything. I can actually enjoy the food, enjoy my guests, enjoy the moment. And what's nice is she cleans up afterwards. Yeah. so it's like the, the best thing. But I think the other thing I find incredible about her is she and her husband Steve are the proud parents of soon to be 16 month old identical twin girls, Alexandria and Elizabeth. And if she has any free time at all, I ask her, what do you do in your free time? She says, oh, we love to take the girls on outings, and we spend time outdoors. I say, you actually have you have free time. And so right, before I interview her, I'm going to give you her contact information. If you're sitting out there celebrating, saying, I need to hire as a chef, uh, go under her website. It's mentioned on our website here in Voice America. It's www. CuisineChefChristine.com. so thanks chef chris for being thank on you, our doctor. show i was looking for cookies that you were gonna bring you didn't bring yeah. them but <laughs> it's okay i'm, I'm gonna i'm so, gonna bring you to dinner sorry tonight sorry about that doctor <laughs> but it's my honor to be on your show thank, thank you but i'm gonna ask you the first thing you know what i knew when you were having twins uh, you, you shared that news what was the biggest surprise about motherhood to you
6: oh i was very uh shocked when they said there were two and then when they said they were identical i was even more shocked because they said now you're gonna have to go to the doctor all the time and uh, make sure that they're growing correctly and everything like that and we were very blessed um excited twins don't run in our family and then we found out that identical twins is when an egg naturally splits so that was just a, a blessing from the lord and we were very grateful and Um, I've uh, had a huge shift in my perspective. I loved listening to uh, Dr. Sally just now because I'm trying to glean from what she says and teaching my children since they're only 15 months old and they're growing and I I see how they're growing um, and how they're learning each day. I get the pleasure of staying home with them a lot and I do have a nanny that comes and helps me, but I still get to see them and, and, and their mental development, so. What surprises you about your twins in particular? Um, I I hope this doesn't sound bad, but I think they're (laughs) incredibly intelligent already. Um, They're very smart, very uh, lovable, kind, sweet. They love to smile and laugh and play and um they've gotten really great with meeting new people at first they were a little scared you know and apprehensive when we'd have guests come over and friends and things but now they've just really blossomed and they're they're so beautiful to me i'm i'm they very are, grateful they are they're absolutely beautiful thank, thank you. you but we talk about their personalities even
1: from the beginning you talked about theirs identical you know Correct. dna identical yes, 100%. but personality
6: wise different and yeah. and still same yes uh, but there are differences elizabeth is the more strong-willed um, can be more dominant personality. Elizabeth is, you know, more strong-willed in that way, just wanting things her way. But then Alexandria is more sweet, more uh, mild-mannered, happier. A lot of times, she's not as serious as Elizabeth. That's
1: interesting. Mm-hmm. But then in the process of this, you know, you still have your full-time business. You're a Correct. mompreneur. You're yes. working full-time. You got your own business. Yes. You're catering. You're doing parties. Yes. How long did you work until you had them?
6: Uh, I literally worked up until I had them because I had a scheduled c-section on a Monday and I worked and catered a dinner party on Friday so I was very busy I was huge and uh, uncomfortable but I pushed through and thankfully had them healthy and they were they were fine we went home after a few days in the hospital and right to it wow and then I was catering two weeks later you never rest do you? <laughs> not much, not much. But you love your job. I love what I do. I really love serving people. I love being with people and um, I love creating great meals. I you know I've been doing it eight years now and I want to continue doing it as long as I can. I tell my husband I want to do it until the phone stops ringing so I'll just keep on doing it as long as um, the business comes and it's a great job to have that doesn't tie me to an office and I can have flexibility was there anything that prepared you for motherhood? Ooh, not really. I mean, when going back to what she said about uh, no advice being, you know, you know as the mom. My mom gave me tips and, I, and, and you know, things. And I did read books and, you know, all of that. And I read a lot of twin stuff. But once you do have them, it changes and, um, you know, your... Um, experience with them changes too and just growing and learning together and my husband had never been around children much you know Um, his family lives in another state so he didn't um, have a lot of experience with babies so it was a really eye-opening experience for both of us. How much sleep did you get? None. (laughs) (laughs) We had to hire a sleep coach. What do you mean a sleep coach? We We had a professional sleep coach come into our home, um, a sleep consultant for the babies, and we had her for two months where she would come in at night at 10 p.m. and then she would stay till (sighs) 6 a.m. and she helped us train the children and trained us. How to get the children to sleep through the night? Because we weren't; they were on opposite schedules. Wow,
1: that can really—it makes a huge difference. One quick question before we go to break, Chef Chris. What advice would you give moms out there from what you've experienced so far?
6: Oh, gosh. Love your children and um, be, uh, just like Dr. Sally was talking about, kind, positive. I do see the difference if I'm having a bad day or if I'm frazzled as opposed to if I'm taking the time to be patient, kind, loving, gentle to them, um, knowing that I'm shaping how they're growing and learning, and um, what I say does matter. Oh, that's well said. So stay tuned uh, for
1: more on Mm -hmm. Dr. Connie's House Calls. I'm with Dr. Sally Goldberg and Chef Christine Kruger, and we'll go to break and then back to see us.
5: To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was
4: looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States?
5: I'm going to call her office now
4: and join her practice. Dr. County Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com.
3: We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: tuned in to house calls with former white house physician dr connie mariano if you have a question or comment for our show today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to dr connie radio at gmail.com that's dr radio at gmail.com now back to house calls with dr connie
1: Thanks for returning. We're having a great show today talking about mothers and the impact of mothers on our lives, especially early, early on. And Chef Chris was sharing a, an anecdote about how you know, she talked about her two beautiful twins who are about almost 16 months. And I said, well, what did you observe about them? She said, they're so smart. They're so brilliant. And uh, Dr. Sally, can you comment about that that behavior or her behavior about an attitude about her girls?
2: I would love to, Dr. Connie. When I heard her say that inside, I'm going, yes, yes, and so much about mothering is natural. And so the idea is that she noticed the smartness, and that's great, because that gives feedback to her little babies, oh, they're smart. Then they feel smart, then they act smart, and then she notices it again. And that's the interplay of positive development. And then you could see why positive interaction is so powerful.
1: It truly is. Mm-hmm. How do, so you know, you hear all these programs about baby Einstein and all the things. What do you think about the, the other educational tools that are out there?
2: It's unfortunate that that gets emphasized so much because development, as I said a few times, is cognitive, motor, social, language, and self-esteem. So all of those are necessary. So just reading letters or knowing numbers is so limited, but reading letters and knowing numbers and being appreciated for it and then wanting to read more letters and no more numbers, that's what it's all about. So it's a total environment that's involved.
1: You know, I'm curious, you talked about your daughter who is the inspiration for your work. How is she doing?
2: My daughter's doing terrific. Um, What I decided to do with her on the more adult level was give her lessons in different things that she could excel at. So maybe there's some areas where there is difficulties or there are difficulties, my idea was not to pay attention to them or not to reinforce them by this idea of interaction and go for some other areas that other people never thought about. So with art lessons, she became a little bit of an artist and with all the other language interactions and uh, lessons, she loves to read and write poetry. And then in addition, because she herself knows what she's overcome, she also acts as an advocate. And she likes to speak with others and inspire others about overcoming their difficulties to achieve as well.
1: Now, when she was growing up, you work with the medical professors, the pediatricians where as they, I'm sure they were very amazed at the progress she made, and they go, "What did you do?" It's incredible. but for parents out there who are struggling, who are working with with other physicians and specialists
2: advice you'd give to them if their child has disability disabilities, just um, show the abilities as much as possible. You made me laugh bit about those kinds of things because yes the neighbors noticed what she did even the eye doctor noticed what she did when she was two years old and he wanted to give her the special uh, baby eye test and I said no you don't need to do that you need to use the regular letters and there she went at two years old using the same eye chart that adults do wow. and nobody else did that. Because you believed in her you kept kept going. And believing in your child is so major You know. Right, uh, your child will think of themselves the way you think of them. So, if you believe in your child, your child will believe in your, themselves, and that's the biggest advice—not the biggest advice. There's so many, so much big advice, but that's um, a good yeah. advice for interacting with but children. But you know,
1: I think as as a parent, it's the most exhausting job because it's never done. Well, you know, and, I, and Chef Chris was talking about. Raising your twins, and you finally you brought in a, a sleep coach to help you because your your babies wouldn't sleep through the night, and you got to sleep. But what do you what do you do? I mean, isn't it overwhelming? Uh, it's got to be. I mean, all the things we do.
2: What do you do for that? It's it is overwhelming, and it is hard, and it's fine to acknowledge that. So the only thing that I can add to it can't take that away because <laughs> if you need to have a sleep coach, then you need to have that because that's something you need to do. But You can always know that you are playing a role all the time, and you can be adding positive input even when other people don't think you're doing anything. So uh, it's like the principle of when they're developing small, so your baby is starting to crawl. Well, you can notice that and be excited about it, Well, if you're excited about it, then they get excited about it, and they do it more and better, and development grows and grows and grows. If you don't do that, it actually does slow down a bit because they're not getting that positive interaction from you that's saying you are noticing it, and you think it's good. And then the baby says to themselves, well, if they think it's good, then I think it's good, too, and I really feel good about this. And then that self-esteem development.
1: And as your daughter grew, you know, she goes to, you know, the, the, the twos and then into elementary and then did you see any rebellion in high school? How was that with her?
2: Same as with everybody and else yeah. and then I have another daughter too so mm-hmm. I have something to compare it to and all those difficulties are the same and, and they're there but I did know from this early beginning that the emphasis on the positive was going to be her, be her best um, help and that continues on today to give her the areas of, uh, areas of strength where she can succeed and do well and that goes a long way into helping the whole process.
1: Uh, were you close to your mom? Because I'm always interested about relationships with mom. Are you Were you close to mom growing up? What kind of mom did you have?
2: My, my mom was a teacher <laughs> and my mom was very educated and I am so thankful for all the things that I learned from her and understand. And I'm not sure how to answer the question about closeness. Um, I am as close to her now as I possibly could be now that she's passed away Mm -hmm. and not with us. And I value every single thing that she taught me and every single input because I think it went with that saying that I said before, she was fair, she was mm-hmm. firm, mm-hmm. and she was positive, positive. Right. and I knew she was positive because I knew in no uncertain terms that she loved me. So maybe it was a different style mm-hmm. that she had, but now I respect her totally for having it, and I feel free to have my style and yeah. do mine in a different way.
6: Chef Chris, how about you and your mom? Yes, I'm very close with my mom, I'm an only child, and my parents are our neighbors. We bought our house to be neighbors with them on purpose because I did want to be able to have a lot of communication with her, see her a lot. And we bought our house before we got pregnant. We were newlyweds. And then um, when the we got pregnant and the kids came along, my mom has just been a godsend. She comes over and does bed and bath at night when I'm working because mainly I'm doing dinner parties. And so she comes over and... Um it's been really nice to have her there and then they love grandpa and they go over at least once a night uh once a week for one night and spend the night there so my husband can i have a date night and it's nice
1: it is important i think a lot of people as we talk about a job that never ends you have all, your own little village of friends mom and True. dad your in-laws anybody you can recruit i know my my uh... my son and his wife they have really close church friends who have mm-hmm. children the same age So they share that and they help with babysitting. So anybody you can do bring into your own circle of friends to help raise them. Mm -hmm. But I think so much the value of positive reinforcement, the voice you hear, because I work with a lot of patients who struggle in adulthood with emotional issues and a lot of times I'll ask them, they'll have negative self-image, and I'll ask them, whose voice do you hear? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times somebody will say it's my father's voice or it's my mother's voice that says I'm not good enough. And it's just sad, way back then something was implanted in their mind and reinforced over and over and affected how they felt about themselves. That. That so shows you how powerful the childhood the childhood experience is that it can reach people into their 70s or 80s who still struggle with something that was said to them or the attitude they had about their parents early on. I think that's that's amazing because the psyche is a certain age. Just because you're 70, you know, emotionally you're still that little kid running around in in, the, in that family. So what a powerful thing it is to, to There's be There's
2: amazing research that was done in the 1990s by the Carnegie Commission, a multi-million dollar study to find out why we had so much crime and violence at the time. Mm-hmm. And they thought they were going to find out because of what happens to teenagers and young adults and all kinds of other bad situations. And the results of the multi-million dollar research was that it happens, it's because of what happens to children in the first three years. Mm-hmm. That was landmark research for my work that I've incorporated into a lot of my books and teachings because that speaks volumes, and we must do whatever we can during these very special first three years uh, to give positive input and positive messages like you're talking about. Those are for real, and they do stay, and they are available for children as early as those first three years. But it's
1: so true. I see see a lot of, most of my patients, the average age is probably about 70, and they're high-functioning, you know, former CEOs, very successful, and I have that blessed relationship with them that I follow them for many years so they can let their guard down and the things that I've seen with alcoholics and for substance abuse and sort of that woundedness that when you really dig deep in there's a little child in there that's been wounded and how you know and then I obviously get them to good therapists to work with them to acknowledge it because no matter how old you are that that there's a little kid in there that comes out, that relives that.
2: That's very insightful and very well said and very important. But what you say
1: also about the positivity, it isn't just it you know obviously it's so critical in the early years but it's also that's a lifestyle And, and I always believed about the kindness that that I look now in our world and people I find are more abrupt, more short, they're more negative and I think that's that's hard. I see that more and more people are less patient and you know, we have more bullying. I think social media has made it really tough. I was talking to one of my patients the other day whose grandson lives in Chicago and he had a really good friend in high school and that, that, uh, his high school buddy uh, had a relationship with a young girl and he bragged about it on social media and then everybody heard about what had happened between this couple and before he knew it this this boy was brought in be- to the principal's office and they said we're going to go get your mother we're we're going to call her in you're in big trouble you're going to be expelled because you posted on social media about your relationship with this young girl a sexual relationship and, <coughs> excuse me and then the mother shows up an hour later <coughs> and they can't find him so they look and look around for him and finally they found him his body he had jumped from a building and it was all the things of social media and, and the tragedy of that young life, and they're seeing a rise in teen suicide, it's that hopelessness of what's going on. So definitely you talk about the gifts of being positive and loving and reinforcing early on is so critical, but we're seeing it very vulnerable ages, especially in the teen years where there's such an influence with social media and impression.
2: But how exciting to hear what I said about that research, the brain scan research and the uh, Carnegie research about the power we have in the first three years. I'm excited with this book that I can explain not only what to do, because there's a lot about what to do, but here's how to do it. I think that's a missing link in education, and I'm delighted to be able to add it.
1: Thank you, Dr. Sally thank Goldberg. You. And again, everyone get her book. I think it's awesome. And in addition to that, I want you to hire Chef, <laughs> Chef Christine Krueger to, to cater your party. So we're going to end doctor. this show on mothers. And make sure you thank your mother for her influence. And go out and be positive, loving to everybody. So God bless <laughs> you. And have a great month. Take care.